pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for The Deuce with Jimmy Chavez on 1620 The Zone. All the headlines you need in two minutes or less. We'll have Sam in a moment. But first, a tremendous regular season came to an end for the Creighton women's basketball team, and they did so in grand fashion as they smashed Butler 74-46. to Last night at Sokol, the night belonged, belonged to the seniors, but it also belonged to Coach Jim Flannery, who recorded his 400th career win. Lauren Jensen led the Jays with 16 points, and Moroncic scored 13 for Creighton, who closes the regular season with a 21-7 record overall. And for the second straight season, they go 15-5 in the Big East. They will be the three seed in the Big East tournament at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut and will play Saturday night at 8.30. They'll either play Seton Hall or a rematch, or not a rematch, they'll play either Seton Hall or Xavier in that game. Tomorrow night's Creighton men game against Georgetown is a whiteout. The first 10,000 fans will receive a white shirt. However, all fans are encouraged to wear white. Just be careful not to spill anything on your shirt, speaking from experience. Omaha baseball finally played, I'm just being honest, Omaha baseball finally plays a home game and will do so tonight at Tal Anderson Fielding. It's 4-4 Kansas State out of the Big 12. At 1-6, the Mavericks finally got off the Schneid Sunday at Fresno State and hope to build some momentum. They have a three-game set looming at future Big 12 member BYU beginning Thursday. In the NFL, the Washington Commies and new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy released quarterback Carson Wentz in a move that had been long expected. The move saves Washington just over $26 million on the salary cap this offseason. Wentz had two years remaining on his contract but had no guaranteed money. Wentz can now sign with any team before the start of free agency. Carolina. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Go join Frank. Yeah, go back. In the NBA, a frustrating night for Jason Tatum ended early as the Boston Celtics superstar was given a second technical foul and his first career ejection with three minutes and 46 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter of the Celtics' 109-94 loss to the Knicks at the Garden last night. Wonder if you get a T-shirt or something for your first ejection. That's a big deal. Hey, big deal that the New York Knicks have won six in a row since yeah. Josh Hart joined them. Hey. They might be for real. We might have some April basketball at MSG. Now, which people forget how much fun that can be. I feel like as uh, I always try to not go too deep into the uh, Nebraska postseason basketball conversation, uh, Knicks fans are way worse than I am. Don't you dare talk about the, the Knicks having a good season. Don't you dare do that. That's just a franchise. that I, I, I don't feel sorry for New York and a lot of different, especially professional sports, but I, I, I do feel for Knicks fans. I really do. Uh one other note on the commies is this is a report on ESPN.com that just got dropped. The Washington Commander's three minority owners alleged Dan Snyder committed bank fraud in securing a $55 million loan without board approval. The NFL made it go away, and now a federal grand jury is looking into it. Oh, boy. All right. As the world turns. Carson Wentz, world. happy to be out of uh, yeah. Washington. Uh, we are uh, happy to talk to Sam McCune of the World Herald. Uh, good Tuesday morning, my sir. 
Hello, how are you? Good. Uh, we are uh, closing in on spring football. we got a huge game tonight at PBA. I want to start with uh, football. So we've gotten to talk to all the assistant coaches. We've gotten to talk to the strength and conditioning coach. We have seen the head coach everywhere, and I mean everywhere, Sam. He's at 6 a.m. He's at workouts. He's at every sporting event that Nebraska has in Lincoln. And as we close in on spring football, I'm thinking back to some of the things his assistants have said. And we've seen either the Scott Frost experiment of bringing his entire staff from Central Florida or trying to assemble a staff of familiarity and maybe some outside perspective with previous coaches. The way that Rule went about putting the staff together and their unique background and almost everybody connected in some way to Matt Rule except for Donovan Riola, and he kind of is and isn't connected. Why do you think is part of Rule's DNA that there is such a strong commitment by the guys that he's hired to come here to Lincoln. Because the way they talk about him, I don't think is just, hey, that's my boss, I'm saying good things. I think what they say about Matt Rule is real. Yeah, I mean, I think they are committed because, in a lot of ways, he's a key mentor to them. And he's helped shape, you know, their adulthood. And, like, I, but, you know, like, not just, I started working with a guy when I was 32. But I, you know, I've, I played for the guy, and then I started working with the guy when I was 23. Mm-hmm. And I think when when somebody um, plays that kind of role, that sort of uh, crucial role in your life, I think you have, um, you know, you have a sense of, oh, duty may not be the right word, but just a sense of wanting to give that person everything you've got because they gave you perhaps your first chance. Um, to be a coach. And, you know, I think the other thing, you know, one of the interesting things about a lot of these guys, maybe Terrence Knight is an exception, but a lot of them went and coached at what you would call a lower level of football, FBS or something like that, um, in part on his his advice. Like, there are coaches who would say, hey, you know what, you should stay at LSU in the quality control program for three years or you should stay at uh, North Carolina State and just, you know, be be a director of player personnel and then make the move over to coaching after you've done that for two or three years. You know, rules advice is the thing that he, you know, he got when he was that age, which is if you want to be a coach, go coach. Go go coach somewhere, you know. And so you look at the resume of some of these guys, and they've coached at some smaller schools. Um, you know, uh, Rob Dvorak last week, Lehigh. Um, there are others. And I think there's a sense of, with you know, with maybe the exception of Ed Foley, Tony White, and Rayola, of like, you know, Rule has been a key part of their coaching career. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that speaks to their, to their uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, fidelity to him. On the other, uh, one more thing, that Rule is pretty good to talk to. Like, I, you know, I mean, I've only talked to him a few times, but yeah, I mean, that's not a person, that's a person who's pretty forthcoming with what they think of the world and uh, they can navigate you know uh, interpersonal relationships pretty well so I, I can understand why why people want to work for him and be around him because it's, he is I suspect he's very demanding but he's demanding in a way that that's at least understandable because he tells you why yeah and Sam I I know there's a lot of reason to be intrigued by the spring you know we, we've talked a lot about the competition but you know kind of on the same theme as far as this coaching staff and, and what we've heard from them 
you know, you've heard it, I've heard it, we've all have with, you know, people that are around the program of, you know, the very close attention to detail that he has on every little thing that is going on in the office, you know, both both externally and internally. And once we kind of get out of this, you know, this pattern of, okay, the recruiting and just kind of getting a culture established amongst the, the, the football operations, I'm really fascinated to see how just the day-to-day from spring practices and get an idea of how, you know, fall workouts and how they're kind of going to go about their preparation leading up to each week. Because I just feel like with what we're hearing about, you know, really having the, his, his finger on just about everything, how that's going to kind of look with all the coaches and practices. And again, as we kind of talk about, you know, really having adults being in the room. Yeah, I think there's a lot of processing externally that that the staff is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they put a lot of effort into evaluating all of the tools that they have available to them, right? So like evaluating practice, evaluating conversations, trying to make a measurement for almost everything. Yeah. And then I think they probably talk quite a bit um, about about what they want to do and how they want to evaluate things. Um, and then they, they probably share that with the players. And I think over time, you know, maybe not in the first year, but as years go on, I think the idea is, well, the players are going to begin to understand how we want things done, the habits by which we want everything done. And then that will that will eventually trickle down. And I think it'll be pretty process-oriented and almost a little bit programmatic. I, you know, I, I would not have said that was true of Scott Frost's uh, tenure. You know, I think Scott was a little bit more loose in his ideation. Um, a little bit more, you know, uh, kind of feel it, you know, playing by feel, coaching by feel, you have it or you don't. I think rule is going to be a little bit more habitual and programmatic, maybe a little bit more like Bo Pelini, uh, maybe a little bit more even like a Bill Callahan, who I think, you know, had a programmatic approach to things. And so um, I anticipate there being that kind of, that kind of habitual thing week in and week out as they prepare for games. And I think as we cover them and we go on, we'll, we'll be able to understand the beats and the patterns that emerge. Sam McCune of the World Herald joining us. You've been around a long time. Uh, have you? Can you recall anything that is like the recruitment of Dylan Riola from the way it started for Nebraska, the way it is now, the possibility that they get his commitment, his dad's involved, uncle is here, and just the reaction of the fan base, whether it be online, the readers you interact with, or what happened on Saturday at Pinnacle Bank Arena, inside the building and outside the building? Yeah, it doesn't happen very often this way at Nebraska. Um, I think that uh, it's probably different than most recruiting um, stories that Nebraska's gone through. Obviously, the Huskers uh, love recruiting. Husker fans love recruiting. And so, you know, how many places in the country was there ever a Friday Night Lights where there were 10,000 people watching Micah Parsons, who did not come here, uh, you know, run route down the, down the west sideline of Memorial Stadium. So there, there have been interesting recruiting stories roll through Nebraska over the years. But Dylan is, is different in the sense of the way that you mentioned it with his family, um, relationships. It, it's very unlikely that uh, he would be considering Nebraska without them. I think we'd have to be yes. honest about that. I, I don't even know that Nebraska would be pursuing it. You know, like I think Mount Rule would have been content with a high three-star, low four-star quarterback 
and say, hey, let's get a guy in here that we know that can, can do the job, and then let's go build it around him, and, and let's focus on the other players. But I think when you have an opportunity to grab a player like this um, in Dylan Rayola, you know, you, you naturally do it. And, you know, I, so I'm guessing this is Rule's first time trying to recruit the, you know, the number one player in the country, the number one quarterback in the country, and having a real chance to land him. But, you know, all points, all signs seem to point to Nebraska having done exactly what they want to do here and, and, and doing good work. So, you know, the, the interesting conversation going forward from my perspective is going to be, you know, how a player of that caliber, he is a very good player. Like he's a good player. He's not, you know, he didn't land there Kevin Gilman style because, you know, from Coach Todd talked to a recruiting service into, you know, whatever. Um, how does he navigate, you know, and balance? Do What, what do I want to do with my college career? You know, because in, in college, you got to stick around for three years. It's not a one-and-done deal. Mm-hmm. How do I want to, you know, how do I want to experience college, and how does how I want to experience college interact with what my NFL dreams are? And so, like, I think the one question that I would ask is just like, how big of a deal is it to be the number one pick in the NFL draft or, the, or a top mm-hmm. ten pick? How 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 important is that? Um, and does it require you to play at a school where you're going to win eleven or twelve games a year? You know, and and obviously the answer is no. Um, if you're looking at this year's draft, I mean, Anthony Richardson's moved up the, the charts. What were they, seven and six? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm surprised that Will Levis is in that is in that conversation. But, but uh, you know, I mean, he, he Kentucky was good, but he's a good example, right? They went ten and three one year, and I think eight and five another year. So, you know, you can do this from from Nebraska, but but those guys didn't start out as number one players. And so there's a there's a unique burden that falls upon yeah. the number one quarterback in the sense of like the expectations are higher, and so you almost have to be like a Caleb Williams. You got to go to college, you have to play really well, you have to win trophies, or otherwise you're a little disappointing. Oh, now we're interested in Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and that kind of thing. So it's a tricky conversation, you know. Not a lot of not a lot of guys getting. Can, can deal with it and, and work mm-hmm. go from it. Trevor Lawrence was able to do it. Um, you know, he did, but he also won a national title. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's a tricky conversation. I'm sure that's part of what Dylan is, is, is uh, weighing out. Is I'm sure Nebraska would be the best collegiate experience that he could have simultaneously. Are they going to win our 11 or 12 games when he's there? I don't know. Yeah, and Sam, you know, the, just using Saturday as an example, you know, you get some of the – other top end recruits you chime in on social media. And I know that this this could be a potentially big announcement if it goes Nebraska's way, um, for more than just what they're getting out of Dylan Riola, but also what could sort of be that domino effect from other, you know, big targets that have maybe not strongly considered Nebraska, but could, you know, maybe heavily reconsider. I mean, are you buying into that? That 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 could be a major wave, you know, of you know, we've heard offensive linemen say they like to block for him. We've heard wide receivers say they'd love to catch passes from him. You know, I mean, could you see that all of a sudden being this this huge, you know, domino effect that could completely change that 2024 recruiting class landscape? Yeah, wide receivers and running backs, I think, would probably like the idea of playing with a quarterback like that. Um, you know, I, I think you would have a better chance 
of getting some wide receivers in here. And, of course, when you're able to get wide receivers as good as, say, Ohio State, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, because they transform, you know, that program. They make it a lot better. I mean, C.J. Stroud is is a fine quarterback. I think he's pretty good. But the receivers that he's been surrounded by are amazing. And same with Fields and the same with the late Dwayne Haskins. Like, they were surrounded by players who made them a lot better. You know, and Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and we can go on and on. Um, running back, sure. You know, I think I think that I would say running back is a position where uh, a lot of times the, bet, the the number one guy is necessarily the best player in three years. Well, that was last year. Uh, you know, uh, Robinson at Texas probably was the best. But mm-hmm. He was the best in high school. But as far as linemen are concerned, in my experience, linemen either go to warm weather schools. Or they go to schools where um, you know the teams win all the time, and so um, the West Coast guys tend to stay out there. Guys in the South tend to stay in the South. Um, guys from the Midwest, you know, matriculate outward. Some of them stick around, but a lot of them go. The, the appeal of being in a warm weather school and being a six foot five and three hundred and fifteen pound guy is pretty high. Um, and I've I've talked to people about that before, you know, and we don't always run that comment because it always mm-hmm. makes it, you know, tough for Nebraska. But it, it, yeah. it, there is a difference between, you know, going down to a school where, it's, you know, the coldest temperature is 37 degrees versus the coldest temperature is 2. And linemen are always a little tricky. Um, you, you better you, you have to recruit them almost separately from the entire conversation because a lot of times um, recruiting them isn't the same as recruiting a quarterback. And so Nebraska's going to have to develop a strategy to get the guys that they want on the offensive and defensive line, especially the defensive line, irrespective of who else they land. Um, and I, I like the last time Nebraska got a number one quarterback was probably Tommy Frazier. I, you know, I can't remember what Eric was ranked and, and Bobby Newcomb were ranked. I don't know. They were both, you know, top 30 players, but I can't, but it wasn't quite as distinct, I think, as, as Tommy. And I can't remember the offensive lineman who came here because of Tommy. I'm not sure there were a bunch. So, um, you know, it's, it's it, but running backs and receivers, absolutely, they want to play with great Sam McCune of the World Herald joining us. Let's talk about Nebraska basketball with tonight's game on the horizon. So this year has developed a lot of great stories, and, and you guys have documented them a lot. There have been a lot of really, really good, feel-good stuff written about Sam Griesel. And it's great that he's having a this kind of a finish to his senior year because he's one of the rare kids that out loud says, man, I grew up as a Nebraska basketball fan. Those are becoming mm-hmm. fewer and fewer because Nebraska basketball hasn't had sustained success. And then of late, it's been Tominaga. And it's also been Sam Hoiberg. And it's been the grit and grind of this team. And sometimes we don't talk enough, I think, about the guy that's in charge. And his name is Fred Hoiberg. How would Sam, would you sum up? I'm thinking a year ago. You know, it was the end of a season. They were coming up. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd lose to Northwestern after having the lead of the Big Ten tournament. The season ends with 10 wins. He's coming back, but those contracts going to be different. You don't know what the roster's going to look like. And then we're about a year later, and it's a real feel-good for Fred. Who, how did he redeem himself? Was it him or was it what he assembled for this 22-23 team? Well, a couple of things. I, I think one, he changed the coaching staff, and, and I think that was probably a good thing. Um, he got some different coaches in there that that I think probably have 
done a good job with the players in terms of building culture. Um, you know, two, I think it was, I think he had to make a decision, and I, and I think he's done this, to say, I really want to be in Nebraska. I really want to have success here. I, I don't want to walk away from this or sort of, you know, do it my way, quote unquote. And if it doesn't work, so be it. I'll just go somewhere else and have success. I, I think somewhere in there, there was a real sense of like, whatever I got to do, make this place successful, I'm going to do. And I don't think it was just do whatever Trev tells me. I think it was Nebraska plays in a league, and that league is the Big Ten. And you're going to have to figure out a way to win in that league. Um, that's your peer set. And I think they've done a much better job of learning how to win in that league. You know, I think they've slowed their pace down um, because, you know, that's kind of what you have to do. If you don't have better players, running at this pace, running at a breakneck pace is, is not a wise approach. And so he changed that about, about himself and, and about, his, about his approach. Um, and then I think they built it around defense. Even if um, the defense isn't quite as good as it was two or three weeks ago, they still have a culture. And lo and behold, they're playing pretty darn good defense at times. You know, and they really are. I mean, they, they held Maryland to 66 and OT. That's pretty good. Yep. That's pretty good. That's pretty good defense. Um, so, you know, I mean, they, the culture and the under the underpinning is there. And then they've gotten hot late. And, you know, I don't know if they would have won all these games if Vandermill and Gary were healthy. I, I really don't. Um, but, but all the hard work finally paid off, and then they started getting confident. And, it, and we'll see what happens tonight. You know, this is the final home test. In a lot of ways, Michigan State is the toughest test of that bunch, even though I think Maryland's a better team. Michigan State will be a hard test yep. because Michigan State can do a lot of the things that Nebraska wants to do, only they have higher-rated and more athletic players. And so we'll see if Nebraska is able to keep this thing rolling tonight or if they kind of hit a wall and, and, uh, and then go into that last game against Iowa, or anything can happen, but if Iowa hits three, they win, and if they don't, they don't. Yep. Sam, real quickly, and I know you wrote about this. We, we have, have touched on it, and Sharp even mentioned uh, it. It, it kind of draws the ire of the Husker fan base when you talk about KSA walking uh, tonight, and, and that he's, you know, yeah, he could be. This could be his last game in a Husker uniform, or at home in a Husker uniform. And, Absolutely, and yet, people I don't think maybe understand, you know, some of the advantages that you know people in the states have when it comes to NIL as opposed to international students, and. Uh, you know, it, th- there's obviously a lot that he has to weigh, but I, I felt that, that Fred was, was pretty open about discussing that yesterday, too. So, I mean, w- w- what's, what's just kind of your take on where it is right now? Well, I mean, I think the, sure, there's some NIL opportunities, you know, for KSA that aren't available because, and they're trying to figure this out, right, about mm-hmm. international athletes and things like that. I, I don't want to linger there too long. I, I think this is more about... Um, can this kid come back for another year knowing confidently that he's going to start? Cause I think he would and get better enough in a way that helps him realize his ultimate dream, which is playing in the NBA, yep. you know? And, and that's the, that's the question is, can you, you know, he could go back and play in Japan and probably make pretty good money, more money than I suspect he can make in NIL. Although I'm sure there's somebody that'll tell you he can make more there. I don't know. You know how NIL is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. None of it's none of it's official, so right. we don't know. And 
So, um, but I think this is more about, you know, his future as a basketball player. And if, and if, and if the time is right for him to go back uh, or, or just go to pro basketball um, and maybe just kind of do what he wants to do, or if there's a, there's a way he can get to that point where he's an NBA player. And if he came back for another year and an offense was more built around him and he was able to score 18, 19 points a game, can he get, can he get selected in the second round or, you know, late in the draft and, and, and get on a team and, and, and have a role, you know, have a, have a, you know, have a niche that he fills, you know, shooting three. That, that'll be the question. I think that they're going to have to work through and, mm. and, uh, NIL is part of it. Sure. I think that would make it easier. Um, if, if they're able to figure out some sort of workaround, but I think simultaneously the, you know, it's, it's what's best for his basketball career. Um, and that, that may have, that may be to stay. In fact, I think it probably is to stay. Um, if, if his goal is to go to the highest level possible, mm-hmm. uh, if he's ready to go back home and, and because he's been out, you know, out of the country for four years and, uh, well, not four years, he played in the Olympics, but, um, if it's to go back home and, and to start his career there, then then maybe it's to go now. So I think yeah. that's probably the thing that they're going to work through after this season. I agree. Sam, appreciate it as always. Thank you. All right. Take care. Sam McCune of the World Herald. Uh, I mean, maybe a booster could step up quietly and hand yeah. uh, Tominaga what he wants. But here, I got an idea to make him some money. I'm actually going to make Iowa and Nebraska fans happy, and I'm going to make their, their basketball players some Thanks, money. Man. Look at you. That's all right. Okay. Mm. So I'm looking out. Yeah. Would you pay to watch a game of around the world or horse between Caitlin Clark and Casey Tominaga? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would. All right, so we can make a little money. Mm-hmm. We can uh, get Hy-V st- to sponsor it. Yeah, stream it, <laughs> stream it for the Nebraska and Iowa fans. Caitlin Clark and Casey uh, Tominaga play around the world, or a game of horse. I think I would go around the world. Can you imagine the uh, kids still play around the world, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, if it's on an iPad, boy, do kids even play horse? Do they I, even play outside I'd like anymore. To do they think do they, play, they do? Do they play knockout? Well, I hope they play knockout. Uh, last check, to, they did. I might have to explain horse to Casey Tominaga and Caitlin Clark, but we'll put on an event. Mm-hmm. We'll do it halfway between Iowa City and Lincoln, so we're in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have a made for streaming event. Make a little money for both. Encourage some showmanship because we know both can deliver that. Get the zone yeah. to sponsor it. Little yeah. trash talking from the same people that brought you Cocaine Bear. People but not would, the movie. People would buy tickets. We'd have, uh, you know, like uh, Insane Clown Posse play. Hey! And, uh, and 311 play so that we both have like a Nebraska band and an Iowa band. You can have Slipknot do <laughs> the national anthem. Insane Clown Posse yeah. 311. I mean... We'll yeah. invite, you know, we'll invite well, all. The, yeah. We'll invite all the Republicans. You know, we'll bring Pillin. We'll bring, uh, you know, is <laughs> it, it Reynolds? Uh, Kate Reynolds? Oh, yeah, is that right? What, yeah, is the Kim Reynolds. Kim Reynolds, yeah, the uh, governor yeah. of Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got this thing down, <laughs> and they'll make my little money. I mean, Tominaga's happy; he'll stay. Yeah, Caitlin Clark is probably going to stay no matter what for another year. Mm. But you know what? It'll be a feel good. Yeah. I like this. We'll have uh, the Freedom Trophy come back. Yeah. Uh, Do we put any coaches online like, uh, you know, loser gets Brian Ferentz? No, we'll just uh, remind people that it has been a long time since uh, Iowa defeated Nebraska <laughs> in football. All right, 754. Uh, next hour, speaking of Caitlin Clark, uh, the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament will be in Minneapolis. The tickets are very affordable. Until, That's great. Until you go to checkout. That's not great. At the Target Center. Uh, that plus uh, more on tonight's game between Nebraska-Michigan State with the Huskers being a three-and-a-half-point underdog against a Michigan State team that 
has to kind of win tonight. They have to kind of win. They finish with Nebraska and Ohio State. They're probably a 7-8 niner. Yes, I slipped in a niner, niner. there in the NCAA Attaboy. tournament. Hey, baby. But boy, if they stumble tonight, which would be on the resume a bad loss. I mean, even though Nebraska will have won five in a row or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but Michigan State's got to win tonight. So we'll have more on that. Graham Couch will join us coming up at 930. It's mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.